Father, thank you so much that this morning we come to sing to you and to sing to your Son and to sing to your Spirit. Thank you, Father, for allowing us the privilege of worshiping you today. Thank you that you give us hearts of praise. Thank you that you bestow your grace and forgiveness in our lives. And Father, we ask that today our praise and our worship of you would be pleasing in your sight. And for that, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. As you're being seated, I want to welcome you this morning to a very a special service in the life of Emmanuel Baptist Church as today. As a church family, we set aside three of our men for uh, the ministry of a deacon. It's going to be a special time as we celebrate uh, in the lives of these brothers, in the life of Spencer, in the life of Matt, in the life of Gordon, what God has done in calling them forth to be spiritual leaders and spiritual ministers among the flock known as Emmanuel Baptist Church. We have special guests in our service today. It's a delight for us to welcome Reverend and Mrs. Donnie Chapman, Matt's parents, to our service. Uh, and Brother Chapman will be participating in our service later today. Uh, he is the pastor of Jerusalem Baptist Church in Moxville. We're also delighted to have uh, Reverend and Mrs. David Grinnell, uh, Spencer's father and mother with us today, and he will be participating in our service as well. And he's the pastor of People's Memorial Church in Burlington. And so we're delighted that each of you have gathered. For those who are first-time guests, we're especially thankful that you're with us. And we want to give you a chance just to say hello to those who are worshiping around you. So let's stand and welcome one another to Emmanuel Baptist Church this morning. your way back to your seat and as you're seated let me share with you some portions of our worship service today that are um, not usual for us at Emmanuel uh, you are well accustomed to the fact that usually we worship the Father uh, in singing in praying and giving and then there is a block of time in which we study God's Word together uh, today Due to the ordination service, there will be a unique flow to our worship service today. Uh, each of the men who are being ordained as a deacon will give you uh, their testimony of how they came to faith in Christ during a portion of our service today. And we're delighted um, that Reverend Chapman will be with us and is able to bring the charge to the deacon candidates as he speaks to them from God's Word about what it means to be a deacon, to serve as a deacon. And then we're delighted that Reverend Grinnell will be able to bring a charge to the church, speaking to us from God's Word about what it means to allow our men to be deacons and to serve us as deacons. And then to conclude our time of ordination this morning, we will ask our active deacons to gather around these three brothers as we observe a long tradition in the Baptist faith of laying on of hands and praying over uh, our men who are stepping into the role of deacon. So this morning, uh, an unusual but a unique and a meaningful service here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Gordon is going to come now and be the first of our candidates to share his Christ story with you. Gordon? I wanted to say happy Halloween for all the people who've never seen me in a suit, but <laughs> you can dress up anything apparently. Uh, I, I'm very, uh, it's like me to type out 
anything I read because I don't do so good off the, off the cuff. <laughs> so as long as I can read. You know. um, okay. My walk with Christ has not been a straight line at all. I was raised by my mother who is a Christian. And this allowed me to see what it looked like for a person to live it imperfectly but purposefully. She took us boys to church, there's three of us, and was involved in the choir. We had RAs, Royal Ambassadors. Later, I went to church with a friend and was baptized, but yet I did not understand what any of it meant. I was just doing what other people were doing. I saw his mother cry and worship, and it always struck me that it all meant something more than I understood. And I know that sounds like a line from the Grinch. (laughs) I did not go to church for a long time and was living in my own nature. I married a girl and was divorced four years later because I was not enough for her. It really hurt me to be tossed away like that. Sorry. It was around this time that I met back up with Laura. She (laughs) was... You ever read something you wrote and you're like, who wrote that? (laughs) She always wanted to be with me because I'm so dreamy. Okay, thank you for laughing. Before we were married, something was missing in my life, and she suggested coming to Emmanuel, having been here uh, years earlier, before. We came, and I was so convicted, every message was for me. I came forward and wanted to have what all these other people had, that filled them with such joy. I decided to ask Jesus to come into my life and fill me, make me a new creation. It was a long time before I understood about the Lord part of being my savior. But I surrendered many things I knew he didn't want from me. I reconciled a, or he reconciled a broken relationship with a family member. And I felt my hate melt away for the people for the people who had wronged me. It was a good long time. It was was good for a long time on, on my part at least. I tried to do what was right and encourage others the way they did for me. Years later, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I invited evil into my life, sin, in rebellion. In some ways, I invited Satan to have his way over me, settling for lesser things. I fought it for a while and then found myself giving in. When this happens, you feel like there's no way you're saved and that you're beyond redemption. Please know it is a cursed lie. I allowed the devil to take so many precious things away from me. I wish I could get my hands on them and pound them into the dust, but our Battles are not with flesh and bone. Our battles are not fought in our own strength and power. My wife will tell you it has not been easy being married to me. My children probably wished for a better daddy at times. I wished it too. I tried to be good when nothing good was in me. I have one thing left in this world that carries me and sustains me. I have hope. I have hope that God, in his awesome love, has a place for me, that he has not abandoned me, even though I deserve it. 
that there is still enough blood for even my greatest sin, that he has cleansed all this mess which has hindered me from coming to him, that he still has a part for me in his plan. I have hope in the eternal life he has promised to all who fear his name. I know that there is room at the cross and that my Savior is waiting. I know he will finish the work he has started in me. And I have hope that he'll take me back today. Uh, he is faithful for his name's sake. He has sealed his promises with the Holy Spirit. He is a king who will not take back what he says. There is still room. I don't know what you're going through today, but he's greater. Today is the day. Don't put it off any longer. If you need to unburden your soul, you weren't made to carry the things we carry. Me can take it. I'm going through something right now, and it hurts more than I ever thought I could. I know how it feels to want to give up when you can't see the finish line. All of this is temporary. I tell my son, I tell my daughter, I tell myself. I know the battle to choose joy. And, and I know it's hard to breathe sometimes. I know healing comes from him. Peace comes through forgiveness. He will carry you in the valley and walk with you over the mountains. Call on the Lord. Thank you. to receive this morning's offering. Our ushers, would you join me as we pray? Father, thank you this morning that we have the opportunity to return to you the tithe that is rightfully yours and our offering that expresses our love and our gratitude for all that you do for us. Thank you, Father, that as Southern Baptists, through our offering this morning, we have the privilege of carrying the gospel literally around the world through our international missionaries. And so we pray that everything that's given today would be for your honor and your glory. And it's in your name we ask it. Amen.
Well, good morning. Uh, just to give a little testimony about where, uh, how God has worked in my life and uh, how I came to know Christ. Um, I, uh, so I grew up in a, uh, in a Christian home, and actually my dad is a pastor. He's, uh, he's just over there. <laughs> You'll hear him in a minute. Um, but, you know, I, uh, but even with him being in ministry, you know, a lot of times we look to our parents as, you know, representative of our faith, and it's an individual decision that I've made to follow Christ. Um, it's not from our parents. It's not anything that, you know, my dad's been faithful in ministry for 20 years, but that has really nothing to do with me, and I made that decision to follow the Lord uh, when I was about nine. And, uh, you know, and looking back, I was a pretty good kid growing up. I was a rule follower. I would try to do the best I could to do what my parents asked, and you could ask them later after the service. They'll agree with you, hopefully, um, and uh, maybe point out the one or two times where I made some mistakes. Um, but, you know, really, it just, look, it just took them just a look. If I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do, they would just look at me, and I knew I was supposed to stop, all right, whatever it was. Um, but, you know, as uh, I was constantly encountered with the gospel, um, it was... You know, Dad went to Southeastern just up the road, and of course, Dad's been in ministry now for over 20 years. And uh, but being the the perfect child, um, clearly, <laughs> um, it didn't really take until I was until Dad was preaching, and uh, he was able to present faithfully the gospel and just show that you know what, no matter how good you are, you are never good enough to meet God's standard in his perfect law, and, and as he is designed, if we sin even once, we have broken it all. And it is necessary that, you know, we have to accept Christ, that as he died on the cross for us, as he lived the life that I could never, ever live, that I have to trust in him and have faith in him, that he is enough, that his sacrifice was enough, that he didn't just die, but he rose again from the grave, showing that he's God over sin, God over death, and the Lord of my life. So I just want to encourage you now, you know, I know we're not really, we don't have a really a sermon, or, you know, we're not really preaching so much today, but, you know, if you don't know Jesus, it is the best decision that you could ever make. There's a problem that we could never solve, that we're lost in our sin. I would love to talk with you. I'm sure any of the gentlemen that come up here today would love to talk with you about Jesus, and I hope that if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord, that you might accept him today. Thank you. I would like to ask the candidates if they would come and sit right here just a moment on this front row so that I can speak to them. And so if you'll come and have a seat, we're going to talk just a little bit about the office of deacon just for a moment. I'm going to try to not have to hold this, okay? So anyway, I'm going to get close enough maybe you could hear me. Now let me just say, guys, that the office of deacon, it stands for servant, it stands for minister, and it stands for server. That's what it actually stands for in the scriptures. And so not only is that the title deacon, but it also should be your attitude as you hold this office. Now let me just say that the purpose of the deacons is really similar to what it was in the book of Acts. 
Now here's some ways today that you can serve as a deacon in this church for Jesus Christ. First of all, you need to be spirit-filled and lead by example. People are going to be watching you as you are leading as a deacon. Now you should be in the Word of God and be studying the Scriptures and be that daily example of that in the Lord. You should pray, you should tithe, and you should also be a witness to the gospel. And let me say this about your attendance. You should attend as often in every service as you can and be here as often as you can because you can't serve if you're just not here. All right? Now, the uh, expectation of the church, by the way, if you don't know this, you need to know it. The expectation of the church is looking to you to be the example as just like the pastor. Now, here's why. If you look in Scripture, both of these offices, the office of the pastor and the office of the deacon, they mirror each other. So the integrity must be there. Now, when you look in the Scripture, that's what you find. Now, deacons, I want you to understand that you also need to come alongside of the pastor and the ministry staff and be a help to them as much as you possibly can. You know, sometimes deacons are elected to office and they kind of take an administrative role, but you don't see much else. Uh, you be deacons that serve, because that's really what the Scripture tells you to do. And so assist the pastor, assist the staff. This is what the Scripture we saw the apostles do that in their ministry. Deacons should visit. You should visit uh, widows and the sick and come along the pastor to help him do that in this church. Also, you should be a part of helping the uh, ordinances, preparing those, baptism, the Lord's Supper, assisting in those. Uh, deacons should be able to lead a person to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so know the gospel, practice sharing the gospel. So deacons today have uh, an opportunity to serve the membership, support the minister, and uh, be a messenger of Jesus Christ in their life. Now let me say how you can do this. How you can do this is that you have to have personal integrity. Because integrity is the ministry, is the carpet that your ministry walks on. If you don't have spiritual integrity and personal integrity, then you're not going to be able to do very much. So you want to keep your integrity high in the Lord. One of the things that you must remember, though, is that you'll be leading a church that Jesus loves and died for. So Jesus died for this church. We see this in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in 23a. It says, Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing of the water with the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. Now at this point, I'm going to ask you to say I will at the end of these statements. So would you please stay in for me? Will you seek to fulfill the office of deacon to the best of your ability at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And will you serve our Lord Jesus Christ and serve the people of this congregation? And will you be faithful to the qualifications of this office that the scripture gives to a deacon in order to serve? 
And will you uh, work and assist with the pastor of the ministry at, at uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church to help him with his calling and fulfill what God has asked him to do? And will you be an example of the faith that others can follow and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? All right, you may be seated. In a moment, we're going to be down in the further part of this service. We'll be laying on hands, laying hands on you. And this is what it represents. It symbolizes you being set apart for Christian service. And today, we remember Acts chapter 6 where it says, And when they prayed, they laid hands on them. So we look forward to this time. God bless you men as you serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good morning. This morning I'm a base. Jim, you might appreciate that. Um, Tally is very kind to share all of her germs with me. Uh, so I apologize, you have to listen to the sound of my voice, but um, Matt, we had a very similar childhood. My dad was also a pastor. He is also sitting right there. Um, uh, in fact, when you were speaking, my mom looked over at me and she said, are y'all the same person? <laughs> um, but our, our childhoods were very reflective of each other. Um, I was born basically in the church, was attending there from the time I was just a baby. Um, and my childhood was pretty simple. Um, it was a good childhood, so thank you, Mom and Dad. Um, but it was, um, you know, like, like Matt, um, I was encountering the gospel often, multiple times a week, um, and knew all about, um, you know, Jesus and why he had to die on the cross. Um, and there was an emphasis on that, um, you know, that Jesus did this and Jesus did that. Um, so, you know, there was conversations that I had with my dad when I was young, and uh, we even prayed together. <clears throat> um, but it wasn't until, <clears throat> excuse me, it wasn't until about 10 years ago, um, after I had already started attending Emmanuel, um, I was in school at the time, um, and I was really struggling internally. Um, I was having looking around me at all the other students, um, and they just seem to really be understanding all of these concepts um, about God um, and about doctrine and salvation and all these other things, and I was just really struggling. It just was not clicking for me. Um, so my, um, at the moment of salvation, actually, it's a, it's a wonderful story that took place at the Chick-fil-A on Falls of Noose. Um, Lydia, I'll come by and show you the exact table sometime. <laughs> um, but I was having a conversation, and it was pointed out to me, you know, that yes, Jesus did die, um, but there was a reason that he died, um, and I was part of that. Um, because of the things that I had done and because of the way that I had lived my life and, and sin, you know, and I was a broken person, um, and it was not until then, at that moment, that I put together my part in Jesus dying on the cross. It was because of something that I did, that I was a sinful person, and I had to take responsibility for that. Um, it wasn't good enough for me just to be at church or to be raised in church. I had to own 
my own responsibility in that. Um, that I had sinned and fallen short of God's glory and his standard. Um, so after salvation, you know, over the last 10 years, um, life's not easier, but it is better. Um, and what Kayla and I have realized is what we do um, at the beginning of every year, we will take a day and just reflect on the previous year. And what we've realized is, you know, we can have a really great financial year. We can have a really great physical health year. We can have, you know, a great marriage uh, and family life. But the one thing that might be, that if it is lacking, that affects everything else, and that's our spiritual life. Our spiritual life as individuals and as a couple and as a family, if that is not our number one priority, and if that is lacking, then that affects everything else. Um, and if we have kind of a down spiritual year um, where we're not trying to maintain that as a priority, then we can reflect on the year and think, hmm, that wasn't really a great year for us. Um, so, Matt, I thank you for presenting the gospel very clearly and directly. Um, and maybe some of you here are kind of like me, where you were birthed in the church, um, or you've at least been here for a very long time. Um, but if you ever feel convicted that you maybe, spiritually speaking, are an infant or a spiritual child, then I would encourage you um, to look towards Jesus and to, to continue to grow uh, spiritually um, because that is how we need to orient ourselves is towards Jesus and towards the gospel because without him, then nothing makes sense. So <clears throat> um, I would encourage you guys to just reflect into your own heart and see um, what kind of work that God can continue to grow in you. Um, so, thank you. Thank you, Spencer. I want to thank also uh, Pastor Register for inviting Pastor Chapman and I to be a part of this. I've enjoyed listening to your sermons. You don't know that, but I listen to your sermons uh, when they're on the on the pay on the website. And uh, just uh, this church has been very special to us over the years. We attended here for about a year and a half uh, while uh, we were on a sabbatical for ministry. And you folks were a great blessing to us. So I want to thank you as a congregation as well. And I want to say to you that uh, your your interim pastor, Pastor Register, has great faith. He's a man of great faith, and the reason I know that is he invited two Baptist preachers to come and said, keep it to 10 minutes, and it takes a lot of faith to believe that a Baptist preacher can keep it to 10 minutes. So, brother, I'm going to try not to disappoint your faith. I would ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, congregation, if you will. 1 Thessalonians 5 and find verse 12. I've been asked to give the charge to the congregation. And the scripture text the Lord has given me for this this morning is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 13. This text is most often used to speak to the church regarding how they are to view the elders uh, or pastors in the church. However, as uh, Pastor Chapman so well pointed out, the deacon ministry is a mirror to the pastor's ministry. You come alongside the pastor, and therefore I believe that we can uh, use this passage to speak to the congregation regarding the deacons. Verse 12, 
We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. I want to draw your attention to just a couple of facts out of this passage of Scripture, and then I want to give you a a broader challenge as a church. These men have been called by God to this position. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.12 commands the church to give those who labor among you respect. The Greek word for respect here means to have regard for, to cherish, and to pay attention to. These men that we ordain today will labor in prayer on your behalf. They will intercede for you and for their pastor. They will have access to information that you may not have, and they will carry burdens that you will not have to carry. They will be called to join the pastor in decisions related to the life of the church. They will come alongside the pastor and help carry the burdens that he will carry. They will be a blessing and a help to him, and therefore the church is called to give them respect. So I challenge you and charge you, church, to show respect, to admonish, and to encourage these men. Verse 13, the church is called to esteem them very highly. And this, seems, this means to consider, to deem, or to account. As a church, you must take careful thought and careful consideration of the work of the deacon. I know where I pastor, and I'm sure where Brother Chapman pastors, and I know here, deacons put a lot of hours into the life of the church. They have meetings They have discussions. They're often even pulled into uh, crises among church family members. And so we ask you not to take for granted the weight that is on their shoulders. And you can demonstrate this by doing just a few things. I want to give you three. First, pray for them. Remember that the church was born out of prayer in the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And throughout the New Testament, we see the church praying for its leaders. We see its leaders asking for prayer. I would encourage you to go before the Lord daily on behalf of your deacons. Pray for them to have wisdom and direction from the Lord. Pray for them to have knowledge and understanding of God's Word and God's will. So pray for them. Number two, encourage them. Now, Here's the thing, even though I attended here a year and a half, uh, for a year and a half, I don't really know a lot of you, so I can say things and you can't get mad and think that I'm thinking about you, all right? Because I'm, I'm not, and I've offended one already. <clears throat> I would lovingly ask you to remember, church, that the deacons are not here so that you can use them to promote a personal agenda. I love you. That comes from years of experience. Pastors know what I'm talking about. Let them know that you are behind them. Let them know that you support them and appreciate all that they do because they will share the load that the pastor carries. And third, follow their example and their leadership. We're never to follow anyone blindly, but if these men are faithful in prayer and in service to the Lord, then support them by following them as they work alongside their pastor. And I want to close by giving you a broader picture 
of the labor to which these men and the church have been called. I want to give you two things to remember as you journey together in the future that God has planned for this congregation. The first thing I want you to remember is to remember who the master is. Remember who is the true Lord of this church. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The pastor and the deacons do not operate in their own authority. They operate in the authority of Christ. And if we profess to be Christians, we are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as these men labor among you, and as you labor with them, remember who we serve. And keep Christ center of your focus. Secondly, remember the mission given to us by the Master. These men have been called to labor among you along with the pastors. But what is our labor? What is it that we are to do? It is always true that we must keep in focus the mission given to us by the Master. When an organization, whether it be a business, and I want you to hear this, church, because I've seen this so often in so many churches, and I want to give you a, a challenge today. Any organization, whether it be a business or a sports team or a church, when they forget the purpose of their mission, it's only a matter of time before they lose their way and they begin to decline. In 40 years of church ministry, I've seen something that concerns me often, and that is that many congregations seem to forget their mission. They have come inward, become inwardly focused. They've designed church ministry around themselves. So we must remember that we have a gospel mandate. And Jesus told the disciples, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. And then he commissioned them to go and make disciples. So I ask this question. If we are not making disciples, can we really call ourselves followers of Christ? We must remember that Jesus died for our sins, rose again on the third day, proving that he is in fact the Son of God. The resurrection of Jesus so fueled the early church that they were willing to abandon all they were and all they had to follow. In 1 Thessalonians 5.12, Paul used the word labor. He said, respect those who labor among you. But there's another place in the Bible where Jesus used the form of this word. Matthew 9.38, Jesus said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. This is the heart of Jesus. This is the mission of the church, and God has set leadership over and around you to not only remind you of our purpose, but also to lead you to share in this great work. So come alongside these men who labor among you. If you do, there will be peace, there will be unity, and you will be used of God in this community to bring a great harvest of souls into the kingdom of God. Our prayers continue to be with you. You're a special church to us. We love you. We really do. And we know that God is going to do a great work here. You've got great leadership. You've got great leadership. Church, stand with your leaders. Amen. God bless you. A moment ago, Donnie referenced Acts chapter 6.
Would you listen as I read? Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanor, and Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. In a moment, we're going to observe a long-standing tradition in Baptist life of what is called the laying on of hands. It is an observation and an, uh, a moment of worship in which men who are called a pastoral ministry or deacon ministry are officially through prayers set apart for a unique ministry of service to the congregation. While it is a tradition in Baptist life, we go back to Acts chapter 6 as the foundation for this observation of ministry. And so this morning, I would like to ask our three candidates to come and stand before you. Would one of you men stand to my left, one here in the center in front of the Lord's Supper table, and one to my right, please. And I would like to ask our men who are presently serving as active deacons within our church, would you come now and gather around each of these three men. You'll be forming a small cluster of deacons around each of these men. And so, if you're here this morning, you're one of our active deacons, would you come representing the church family? And we'll wait just a moment. Fathers, would you join us, Donnie and David? We want you certainly to pray over your son in just a moment for them. David, I'm going to ask you to begin our prayer time in a moment, praying aloud, representing the family of faith here at Emmanuel. Donnie, if you then would follow that time praying over your son. And then Jim, as our chairman of deacons, would you close our prayer time as we observe the laying on of hands of these men. Join us as we pray. 